From Bumble Australia and Shameless Media, this is Love Etc. When my love takes me home, it's one of five to thirty miles on. believe the saying once a cheater always a cheater if someone has been unfaithful before does that mean they're destined to do it again and again or are humans more complicated and more capable of change than that welcome to love etc we're your hosts michelle andrews and zara mcdonald Hello, you're listening to Love Etc., a podcast by Bumble Australia, the social networking app where women make the first move. Today, we're talking about taking back a cheater. How do you move past the fury? How do you ever trust them again? And how do you process the shame that society tells you you should feel? For the answers to those sticky questions, we're turning to two women who have been there and done that, who were told the awful news that their partners had strayed but decided to stay, to stick it out and see what happened next. So let's meet Sienna, shall we? Sienna met her now boyfriend Ben four years ago in a tiny dumpling bar in Sydney. I was living in Sydney and was working at the time as a lawyer and got a message from a friend saying, I'm opening a new dumpling bar and I would love you to come over and be in the um, video to show it off, like our brand launch, whatever it is. And I'm here and I've only got guys and I really need a girl to be in the video. So when you finish work, can you come over and eat dumplings and drink beer and be in my video? And I was like, yeah, sure. So came to his house quite late after, you know, working as a lawyer and got there and it was all guys, sat down, had a beer, had dumplings and noticed the guy behind the camera was like kind of cute, but in a probably more shy way than what I was typically attracted to. He wasn't saying much, but was, you know, telling us all what to do and how we should act and, you know, be in the, in the film. And I kind of, I don't know, just thought he was kind of cute and mysterious because he didn't speak very much. As the night progressed, I kind of thought that he might be flirting with me. And at one point I realized that my friend, the mutual friend, was talking about how they'd recently been out together and had met these girls. And out of the corner of my eye, I saw Ben kind of look at him as if to say, like, stop talking about these other girls. And then that, at the end of that night, he asked if he could walk me home. And when he walked me home, he asked for my number. And I thought it was pretty ballsy because he was carrying this huge camera and a tripod over his shoulder and just looked like such a dork. And I just thought, I don't know, if you can have the confidence to ask for someone's number while you're carrying a tripod, you know, you've got a lot of internal confidence. So <laughs> I thought that was intriguing. And that was, yeah, essentially how we first met. I love that so much. What else drew you to him? Like on those first few dates that you went on, what did you notice about him that you really liked? That's a good question. It's always funny thinking back on the start of a relationship. Like it just seemed like a bit of a blur and often you can't really remember how you got to where you ended up now four years later. I was just really intrigued by him. I'd previously dated someone for a long time who was very confident, very extroverted, very similar to me in that way. And Ben was just much more internally confident and just really sure of himself and was a lot more quiet than I was used to but in some ways I kind of found that intriguing and I felt like it was a nice change from other men that I had dated 
And I just found that he was really caring and I could tell from the beginning that he just was really into me and he's really silly and just made me laugh. And yeah, it just kind of went from there. So I get the sense now that the early kind of months and years of the relationship you're describing was quite lovely and stable and safe and comfortable. The kind of relationship that you're told will go the distance, I guess. In some ways, yes, but also in some ways, no. When I look back on our relationship, I actually find it quite interesting that we survived that first six months because as I came to know, Ben like had some quite serious mental health issues at that time. And there was a period in our relationship, probably maybe two to three months into it, where I actually said said to him, like, I don't, I don't think that I can do this. Um, I really need someone who can challenge me and who just, I think because he is like more quiet and more sure of himself. He doesn't need to challenge other people on their views because he knows what he thinks. And we ended up having this night where I said I could just tell things were off and he wasn't being maybe 100% himself and I just felt like he wasn't being super authentic and wasn't maybe challenging me in the way I needed. And we ended up having like this, you know, one of those late night conversations into like the wee hours of the morning where I just said, I'm just, I'm just not sure that I can do this. And that's actually when he divulged to me, you know, I'm actually really struggling with my mental health at the moment. And I've just gone on to antidepressants and I really, really like you. And this is like not really an accurate reflection of who I feel that I am. And so I actually find when I look back, it's really interesting that we managed to kind of move forward with the relationship because really when we met, it was probably like one of the lowest points in his life. What were the happiest memories of your relationship pre-2019? Like what are the best things about your bond together? I think just like having really fun time together, like he loves music and loves to dance and like, you know, pre-lockdown when we were like more in our like mid, mid twenties, like we would go out a lot together and just have these really fun nights of dancing and listening to music. And also we're both really active and love, you know, exercising a lot together. And I guess we just want really similar lifestyles. We're both very focused on work, but enjoy being healthy and then also love to kind of go out and have a good time and I guess just like some of the best moments would just be with all of our friends just laughing and yeah just kind of making the most of the weekends I think that like really characterizes and the initial period for me just like really making the most of our 20s together. I want to ask you about the start of 2019 because when you wrote to us, you said it was kind of a really hard year for your relationship and particularly in those kind of first four months, you felt the relationship was getting really tough. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the other thing I would say that I would characterize our relationship with is that we've done a lot of traveling together. So we had booked in this holiday to go to South America with a big group of our friends at the end of 2018 that we'd all been really looking forward to. And the first half of that trip was, you know, really, really fun. And the six of us that were all hanging out together and he at the same time had been on antidepressants for perhaps at that stage about two years and wanted to, I guess, like look at transitioning off them. I think he felt that he, you know, wasn't sure if you should live your life for more than two or so years on them and he should probably give it a try, you know, not being on the antidepressants. And that coincided with us being away. And I definitely started noticing it in the second half of that trip when we were traveling, just the two of us. And I'd be, you know, suggesting things that we should do and go sightsee and have nights out together. And he started to seem less enthusiastic as the trip went on. And I kind of noticed that, that we were in all these amazing places and he just didn't really seem to have a lot of enthusiasm for being there, which just felt quite uncharacteristic and quite uncharacteristic to the first half of the trip. And then when we got back to Australia, I think it just kind of continued. I found that 
he didn't want to make any plans. He just really wanted to be at home. And I felt that I was always making the effort to kind of cheer him up and suggest things that that we should do together. And then when we did do them, he just wasn't enthusiastic. He was like being there quite begrudgingly. And I also at the time was trying to think about my career. I wanted to move out of the law and I wanted to change jobs. And I found that when I was trying to speak to him about that, he wasn't perhaps listening to me in the way that I had wanted and not giving me like the best advice. And I found that I was going through this transition period and I didn't really feel like he was there to support me very much. And yeah, it was hard. Like I started feeling like I can tell that your mental health isn't great because there's these indicators of it. And this is not how you've behaved over the past two years. But at the same time, it was really hard because I felt like I was the one that was putting in all this effort and he just wasn't really reciprocating or appreciating the effort that I was putting in. And yeah, it was definitely a low point in the relationship. Like I really started to think, is this the right thing for me? Am I just being too selfless here? Like who's looking out for me in this relationship? Which is why when everything that came out, came out, it was really hard because we had had really different responses to our relationship at that time. I mean, you touched on it just then, and that was going to be our next question. You said when everything came out, did come out, and that was in July 2019. Can you talk to us about that month and what happened to your relationship? Yeah, so I think he went back on to antidepressants maybe in like April or May of that year, and things did start to improve. But I remember I, I think I was working from home or I'd come home from work early and he messaged me saying, are you at home? Can I come over? I need to talk to you. And I just had no idea what it was about. And I went downstairs and he was like, I just have something to say. I cheated on you earlier this year and I'm so, so, so sorry, but I just haven't told you until now. The reason that he was motivated to tell me was because someone that we mutually knew had found out and she essentially put to him if I'm not sure whether Sienna's aware of this but if you don't tell her then I'm going to and that was really his motivation for telling me. I reacted so differently to what I imagined that I would have reacted in that circumstance. I was just shocked. I initially wasn't upset, I wasn't crying, I was just like what are you talking about? Like because aside from, you know, some of the mental health things that he's had, otherwise, you know, I always had felt completely beloved by him. He always made me feel beautiful and like he was so grateful to be with me and that he always looked up to me and, you know, and so I just, I didn't ever expect that of him. It just didn't really speak to his nature. He was never the kind of person that spoke about other women in a sexualized way or you know, even going back to what you were talking about, like that Lockie Gilbert style, liking people on Instagram, like none of that stuff. Like that's just not him. Never talks about girls he slept with previously, never talks about other women he's been with, like very respectful. And I just was so confused and yeah, just really kind of got angry. And I was like, well, you need to tell me the details, like what happened? And he ended up telling me that it was at a party that we had both been at And I had actually left because um, the next day I was doing a swim and wanted to get up early and didn't want to drink. And so I had left the party and he had stayed there by himself and he um, had ended up being with someone else. And they'd left the party, gone back to another friend's house and he'd been with this girl. And um, I think that was also one of the things that got to me is that I was like, well, this wasn't like a drunken dance floor hookup like you 
obviously met her at the party. You guys all transitioned to this new location and, you know, this is what's happened. I I ha- didn't ask him for like a lot of the details just because I didn't want to know. I understand that they didn't sleep together, but yeah, I just was completely shocked and really angry, I think. And it definitely took a few days. Like I then ended up speaking to that mutual friend who got in contact with, with him to tell him that he needed to, t- to tell me. And it was actually when I spoke to her that I got more angry because she then told me the story she had heard from this other person. And that's when I was like, oh my God, there's someone else involved here. And there's someone else that's been with my boyfriend and there were other people at this event. Like who else knows about this? No one has told me for four months. I'm just so embarrassed. And yeah, it was surprising. It actually was those feelings of embarrassment and shame that I felt more than being really upset because I was just thinking, how dare you let someone else into our relationship? Did you consider breaking up with him straight away? Not straight away. I think because I felt it was so out of character and I was just so confused. Um, But there was definitely a period where I said to him, like, I don't know how to trust you because not only did you do this, but you then also haven't told me. And you've been really upfront about the fact that the only reason you've told me is because someone intervened. And to me, it's like you had no intention of otherwise telling me, like we could have lived, gone on and lived this life for the next however many years. The way he explained that was, I'm just so embarrassed and it's just not a reflection on my behavior. And I, I really thought we could move past this. And I just was so worried that you would end the relationship. And that's just not at all what I want that I just couldn't tell you because I didn't want the relationship to end. But yeah, like I, I spoke to a number of my friends and their reaction was really surprising and they were all really shocked as well. It wasn't that kind of response of like, oh, typical, I knew this would come from him. He's so shady. They were all like, this is so surprising. This is so uncharacteristic of his behaviour and if you want to work through it, you can. And at the time I was quite annoyed because I was like, why aren't you guys more angry? Like you need to be on my side. Why are you being so forgiving of him? But I think you know, we're in our late 20s, early 30s now um, and were last year. And I think the, the few people that I told had similar stories of, you know, rocky patches in their relationships and other people had told me, you know, we've managed to move through it. And so I guess I kind of took that on board and it was comforting to me that the response of my closest friends who knew us both dearly all kind of thought this doesn't have to be the end of your relationship. Like this really isn't I felt like it, it wasn't a reflection of his broader character and that was backed up by people's opinions that I really valued. Had they responded differently, I think I would have perhaps proceeded differently. My family live in a different state to, to me and my partner and so I don't think they know him on the same level that other people in my life do. The people I chose to tell actually were my housemates, um, both male and female housemates at the time. And I just felt like they were the ones that truly knew Ben better than everyone because they would see him, although we weren't living together at the time, they saw him almost every day. They saw him in that comfortable home environment where I was most often spending time with him. And I just, yeah, I just felt like having my parents' opinion wasn't that useful to me in that scenario because they didn't know him as well. I guess it was just like ultimately an opportunity for us to have some really candid conversations. And I said to him, you know, Honestly, the thing that hurts me the most about this is that 
that was a really shit time for me. Like this, the first half of this year was really, really hard. And I was thinking about whether I should remain in this relationship. And I felt really guilty because I was thinking my boyfriend has depression and I'm thinking about leaving him. I'm a horrible person. And I felt so bad about that. And simultaneously you had cheated on me and I didn't know. And I was the one feeling guilty. Like, how dare you put me in that position? And we just had that conversation. And I said to him, you know, we're supposed to be a team. We're supposed to make each other stronger, especially now we're heading into our 30s and we've been together for three years. If you're not ready for that, if you're not grown up and you don't want to be on my team, then just fuck off because I don't want to waste any more time with you. What I truly felt was I don't think this is a reflection on him and it's I know mental health isn't an excuse, but it was the circumstance he was in at the time. And I thought it'll be easier for me to move on if ultimately we try to give this one more try. And then if his actions don't reflect the words that he's telling me and the apologies he's saying, then at least I'll know for sure. If we end this relationship now, I will be wondering whether I made the right decision and it will be really hard to move on. And so that's the choice that I made. Did it matter to you that this was just a one night thing? It was a, I guess, one off occurrence as opposed to an emotional affair where someone's like texting another woman behind your back or there's like multiple instances of the one thing. Was it important to you that it was just once off? I think so. I think that probably made it easier. And I think I also come from a position where I understand being attracted to other people. I have experienced having, you know, silly crushes on other people while I've been in relationships. So I think for me, I understood that idea of being attracted to someone else and acting on it and regretting it. Like I I haven't done that myself, but definitely. So I definitely think that was easier than had it been this ongoing thing where it felt like the deceit was, you know, on multiple deliberate occasions. Yes, he omitted it for a long period of time, but I guess the way I rationalised it was it wasn't a deliberate action on a number of occasions. I don't know if that distinction is a good one to make, but it's the one that I made at the time. I think it's all about drawing these lines though, isn't it? Like in order to move past these kinds of things. I want to ask you, you touched on shame and embarrassment before, and I think one of the reasons that Mish and I wanted to do this episode was because we know so many people who have been through exactly what you have been through and do feel that sense of shame and don't want to tell people what happened because they've stayed with their partner. What did that look like for you? I was really embarrassed. Like I'm a massive feminist. The idea of being strong and standing on your own and not accepting like unsatisfactory behavior is something that I never would have contemplated for myself. But it's really hard when you're in that situation and you have like a three-year history with someone. It's really hard to throw that away over a mistake that they have made. I think ultimately speaking to other friends who felt who shared their own experiences with us being in a similar position I think helped overcome that shame and I think also just like relying on the strength of our relationship and I think that yeah had he acted differently in the subsequent months then it would have gone a completely different way but ultimately he really showed to me in those subsequent months how much he meant it when he said that he wanted that relationship to continue and that he'd you know, taken on board the conversations that we had had. When did you realize that you weren't kind of resentful or angry anymore? Because I've always said, I really do respect the people that are able to stay together because I can't imagine not being bitter and just throwing it out every time you had an argument. Like, how do you make sure you're mature enough to move past this and not keep bringing it up? That's a really good question. And it's actually something a friend of mine who's been in a similar position has asked me because it's something that 
they've stayed together and it's something that keeps coming up for them. I don't know. I just don't think about it. Like I just feel like we had this really great period of talking about it and speaking super honestly and like being really transparent about it. Since then, our relationship has progressed a lot and has really deepened because I was so honest with him about like, you need to get on my team or just, you know, fuck off, as I said before. And since then, he's just really proved himself. And like, we now live together. You know, we have made silly milestones, like, you know, having a joint bank account. And I've now changed jobs a number of times since then and have felt, you know, much more immense support from him than he was able to provide at that time. And I don't know why it is that I don't reflect on it often, but I re- the truth is I really don't. I just, I don't know, I just have moved past it. And I think also it's probably a reflection of his actions because if he made me doubt his feelings for me or his commitment, I think I would feel that again and again and I w- it would be brought up. But because he hasn't made me feel insecure or unsure or un- like I can't trust him since... I just think I haven't had cause to turn my mind back to that occasion. I mean, listening to you speak, it sounds like you now have a really healthy, beautiful relationship together. What does your relationship look like now? Yeah, our relationship now looks like us living together in, you know, a beautiful share house with our other friends that we love, us still well, we can't travel anymore, but still making plans for the future and wanting to move overseas together and still living the lifestyle that we enjoy, like doing a lot of exercise together. And this has been a really hard year. Like we've spent an exorbitant amount of time together at home. And I think it's been a real test for how much time you can spend with someone and be in such close quarters. And I think it's shown that both of us are really open to compromising, to be considerate of each other and you know, pumping the other one up when they've had a bad day and supporting one another. And this year has been probably, again, particularly hard for him. He's in creative industry and is on, you know, is on JobKeeper and is, compared to the year he had last year professionally, you know, this year is just, it's like being in pause. So I think it's really shown that we're a really good team and we can, we can lift each other up and support each other. And at one point in our relationship, someone might be you know, kicking more goals and feeling more confident. And then in that time, it's your job to be a bit more of an anchor and a bit more of a support. And at other times that will shift. And that's just kind of how a relationship works, I think. What would you say to the women who are listening to this, who have been through the same thing that you have and who feel that immense sense of shame still, who probably haven't told their friends or their family about a partner's infidelity because they are terrified of what someone might think? I think it is useful to speak to other people, like trusted People who know your partner, I think, as an individual, not just as your boyfriend, I think that can be useful to give you some context to other how other people perceive them and their values. Like deeply consider who you trust with that information and share it with someone close to you because I think having an objective opinion can actually be quite useful. And I think in terms of the feelings of shame, it really goes on to the nature of that incident. Was it, you know, multiple occasions? Was it on one occasion? Was it with multiple people? How deceptive were they? Because I think if it was, you know, any mixture of of that repeated or with multiple people, I can understand how that can probably leads to like greater feelings of insecurity. I think it's just also not a reflection on you. Like this, they've acted out in this way because there's something that's going on with them. They're either not feeling great or they're feeling like this is an area in which they have control over their life. They can't con- perhaps control other aspects like their job or their work or family things that are going on. And this is somewhere where they feel like they can get like instant gratification. 
reflection. And ultimately, that's not a reflection on you. Don't feel shamed. And also, if you make the decision to stay, don't feel shamed. If you feel like you need to give that relationship more of a try and test it again to truly know whether it's the right thing and whether you should let it go or move on, that's definitely something you should do. And at the time I read a bit of Esther Perel and she talks about the fact that there are so many other ways you can disrespect your partner. If this is one way that they have disrespected you, you can move past it and you can still be a strong, independent and feminist woman and decide to stay with your partner if the circumstances are right. And I think the main thing is if you do choose to stay with them, you just have to be aware of their behaviour that follows. Have they backed up what they have said to you based on their actions and their further comments and the way they treat you and the way they hold you in regard? Because if they've made all these apologies and then ultimately their behaviour doesn't change, then you need to move on. Coming up after the break, when Sam's husband cheated on her, she discovered a whole other side to his identity. But first, it's time for a Bumble break. You're probably familiar with the name Bumble, but did you know the story behind how the feminist dating app came to life? Bumble is the brainchild of Whitney Wolfhurd, the brand's creator and CEO. Whitney had been working for another dating app after she left college and realised that there was something missing, an app that empowered women to make the first move in their love life. And so Bumble was born in 2014 on the simple but powerful premise that only women can begin the conversation. No more unsolicited seedy messages from guys. It is up to you to make the first move. Almost seven years later, and Bumble has over 100 million registered users across the world and is extended beyond just your love life to your professional network and platonic friendships too with Bumble Biz and Bumble BFF. Whitney is now 31 and running Bumble with her baby son, Bobby, in her arms. Pretty incredible, right? I love this quote of hers about creating the app. I think that early on, a lot of people thought women making the first move was a gimmick and that we were just some cute girly dating app. But we're serious about putting women in the driver's seat and chipping away at societal expectations. Download Bumble today and make the first move. One app, three modes, one mission. For the second half of the show, I want to introduce you to Sam. So I had just moved to a new town. Sam met her husband Steve at a party, his party actually. she just moved to a small town and was keen to get to know some new people and make some new friends. Her neighbour had suggested she'd go to his barbecue. There, she and Steve hit it off straight away. I, from the moment I started to talk to him and I just had this funny feeling and it was just like this like lightning bolt strike. I was just like, wow, like this guy is so great. And I just felt such a connection to him and I was so interested in him. We started talking and then it was really great just this conversation we just had matched on so many things, on on values and just this jovial sense of things like to turn everything to a joke and we never take things seriously. I felt this great connection to him, this this thing like, you know, I was exactly where I was meant to be and he was exactly the person. Like it was, ugh, I don't know, it doesn't sound real, but that's exactly how it felt like I just felt like things had just fallen into place. I'd never been sure about things I was doing. I always felt a bit insecure about stuff. But when I met him, I just had this lightning bolt of like, this is where I'm meant to be and this is the person that I'm meant to be with. It sounds a bit like love at first sight. Is that right? Yeah, I would say so. 
he had this sort of reputation that he was everyone's friend. Like everyone just thought he was the most fun guy and everyone always had great stories. And I still, to this day, say everyone's got a great Steve story. Like there's no one that doesn't have a Steve story. And if I sometimes meet people I don't know, or I'm not sure about a conversation starter, I say, oh, do you know that I'm Steve's wife? And then instantly there's this thing who are like, oh, Steve, we love him. He's great. And they tell some funny story of something he's done or some mischief he's been into or some adventure that they'd had with him. I just kept remembering this gut feeling that I had that I was just looking forward to talking to him every night. And we sort of lived about an hour away from each other. You know, I lived on one side of the town. He lived on the other side of the town, about half an hour for each of us to get into town. So I just remember every night being so excited to to talk to him and I just was so interested in the menial things he was doing. He's a funny person, like he's such a confident person but then he takes forever to make up his mind and I remember we'd sort of been talking for ages and I thought something was happening between us but I wasn't sure. The town had had an, a festival on that weekend and got to the end of the festival and and then I said to him, so am I your girlfriend or what? Like what is this? Like where is this going? And he sort of, oh, I guess, well, I guess you're my girlfriend. I'm like, okay, well, now we know that. Let's move on, you know. And everything was always sort of like that. You just, anyone we were getting married, we sort of had talked about it. And we both knew, like, you know, two years doesn't sound like a particularly long period of time, but we both were really sure of where we are feeling. And I had said to a friend after we'd been dating for probably nine or ten months, I'm going to marry him one day. My friend was like, you can't know that early. I was like, no, I just do. I just know it. Anyway, it was our second dating anniversary and he I came home. we just moved in together not long and I came home and he had was cooked dinner, which wasn't, you know, unusual. Like for special occasions, we always took turns cooking because he's a really great cook and I love cooking. So he'd cooked a special dinner and then in the dessert, in the bottom of the dessert, he had put, will you marry me? And so as I'd eaten to the bottom of my dessert and I found it, it was this really special moment and, it was lovely. It was just perfect. So, Sam, you get married and a year into your marriage, Steve goes away to the next big town for a night. Two days after he gets home, he tells you what happened on the night that he went away. What did he tell you? I remember it so clearly. We were sitting watching TV and then we turned the TV off and we were about to go to bed and he just said, oh, I've got something to tell you. And I said, okay. And he turned he said, when I went up, to the next town he said um, I went to go and catch up with a friend that I had known and we had a few drinks and then one thing led to another and it started going somewhere he said but I stopped it before I went too far but I just I feel so guilty like I feel like I need to tell you that it started getting sexual and I was like okay I was like who is this person and then I was quite shocked when he said that it was uh, another man because I didn't know that he felt that way. Not that it's a problem, or not that I have any issue with people being interested in the same sex or same gender, but it's just not something I was aware of or that I thought I was aware of. Not long after we had met, a friend had said to me when I was indicating that I was interested in him that she said, oh, everyone sort of thinks that Steve is gay and I thought at the time I don't think he is I wasn't getting that sort of feeling and I thought that he wouldn't be showing he was interested if he was I imagine 
you went into a bit of shock. You're sitting on the couch, you're planning on going to bed. Do you get angry? Do you get upset? Do you get really confused? I imagine in myself, if someone I was dating had been unfaithful with a member of the same sex and they had never told me they were bisexual, I perhaps wouldn't be as mad as I would be confused, right? I was, I was really confused and I sort of had this sort of cold shockwave come over my body just staring straight ahead like wasn't couldn't look anywhere wasn't looking at anything just staring straight ahead just this feeling of shock and trying to process what he just told me and we were hadn't even made it to our first wedding anniversary yet he had grown up in a, a family that was quite religious his parents are quite involved in their religion his siblings count themselves as, as Christians and I just just felt like he had this shame like he just seemed like he was so ashamed not just of what he had done to me, but because he had these feelings. Like there just seemed to be this shame that he was carrying for feeling that way. And and I just felt like I needed to free him of that shame. Like that seemed to bother me more than the infidelity was that the person I love was carrying around this really heavy shame, which is something that he shouldn't be ashamed about. So I just, I almost softened it and it didn't feel like as big a deal because I just saw this person who seemed to be hurting because they had a confusion of who they are. Did it come in waves then? Was it like you dealt with the shame stuff very, very early on and you kind of helped your partner combat that? I can imagine there might then be a backwash of anger though. You then experience what infidelity is like and how it hurts to feel like your partner wasn't faithful to you. Is that right? Absolutely. And I think every night for like two weeks, we'd get into bed and then we'd stop and just it'd be like the still of the night. And then I would, it would hit me like a wave, like what had happened and how I was feeling. And I was lying next to this person who had cheated on me, had cheated on who we were, had cheated on what we were. And it was funny because he was the person who hurt me, but he was also the person that I took comfort from. So it was this weird sort of bittersweet feeling of I just, you know, I need someone to hug me and to hold me because I'm, you know, going through this feeling. But then the person that I want to be the person holding me is the person that also hurt me. Oh, it's such a double-edged sword. And I feel like there are so many people listening to this who would relate to that very specific and tough feeling. I think one thing we realise a lot when we're having these conversations about infidelity is the concept of shame. I mean, I know you've touched on shame when it comes to your partner harboring shame, but I do think as well, there is a lot of shame that women feel when their partner does cheat on them, like really unwanted shame. Did you feel any shame being in a relationship where that infidelity had occurred? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I felt like I needed to sort of talk about it, you know, to other people. And I remember telling, um, I told a couple of friends and then I also told my mum and my mum was the most difficult one to tell because being my mum, of course, she wants to protect me. But then in telling her, I also wanted to protect him. I was still committed to this relationship almost straight away after he told me. I just went, we will get through this. And I'd always held this belief that if I was cheated on, that would be it. Like that would be the worst thing that could ever happen. And I would leave the relationship no matter what. But then when I was sitting there in that moment, I just once again had this lightning bolt strike of no we will get through this and this is just a speed bump and when we look back on our relationship we will grow from this and this will cause us to be stronger so I had this shame of feeling like I should be 
leaving this relationship and I should be doing this and all these shoulds that we seem to be harboring these beliefs until we're actually in the situation we don't actually know what we're going to do. And I think that if it was a situation where it was a serial cheater, whether it was something that was happening all the time or it was something that was premeditated like he had lined it up and I know that he didn't line it up because, he, you know, I looked through his phone and he let me and we had this agreement that said, I need to regain trust for you, so I need to be able to check your messages and feel like I'm not getting half a story. I knew that we were going to be okay. It must have been incredibly difficult to tell your family. I mean, we know that even people in younger generations struggle with stereotyping bisexual men, that there is an attitude out there that bisexual men are closeted gay men who will eventually come to terms with the fact that they're only attracted to men, just as we assume that bisexual women are only attracted to men but are going through a phase where they're experimenting. Did you ever receive that feedback that, well, maybe Steve is actually gay and it's not worth your time? Yeah, actually. And the other person when I told, apart from my mum and two friends, was I told my sister-in-law, so my husband's brother's wife. And she said to me, look, I've always felt that Steve was gay and that I really think that you should leave this relationship before you have kids and before this goes too far because I only see you getting hurt. We were actually at a family wedding, so the pair of us, my sister and I, missed the whole reception because we were too busy in the foyer getting absolutely shit-faced drunk. That just seemed like the only thing to do. Living where I live, I don't live near my family. I don't live near my parents and my siblings. And so, but I live near my sister-in-law. And so I sort of thought that having that close family member as a piece of support, that's been sort of difficult because as the time's gone on and we've healed and I've healed, it's been difficult because I know that she still knows. And and that's the same thing with my, my mum. Like my mum has really struggled to let it go. And my mum said to me at the time, she's like, whatever you do, don't tell your father because he will not handle this. Like he just won't handle the betrayal part. She's like he's not a forgiving person. He won't forgive. So that's been really difficult because I have a close relationship with my dad as well and not telling him because I do know that, that my mum is right, that if I did tell my dad, he wouldn't forgive and he wouldn't forget and he would hold it forever. How was it dealing with that judgment? I imagine on top of everything you're going through, people judging you would be incredibly hard. Yeah, it was, but I just I just kept coming back to myself and then just thinking, what is it that makes me happy? What is it that I need? What do I want out of this? What do I want to happen? What do I feel like the right thing to do is? I just kept thinking about what I need and what I need was for this relationship to get back on track because I just knew that this was the right relationship and this was the marriage that I wanted to be in and I wanted to get through this and I wanted it to use as a tool for us to get stronger. And it really did because, you know, years down the track now, we are stronger for it because he knows I'm a safe haven, like he can say those things and there really is no judgment. When did you realise you weren't resentful or angry anymore? Like how long did it take for you to realise you guys were free from this? Like this wasn't really, you know, impacting your day to day? It still doesn't impact my day-to-day. The thought still crosses my mind often and he's just had to go away for work again for four nights this time. So that still passes through your mind. You still think, what's he doing? Who's he seeing? Then you stop and you go, no, we're okay. It probably took me two years 
to feel like I wasn't suspicious of everything he was doing. Every time that we weren't together or every time his phone was beeping, thinking, oh, who's, who's messaging him? Or I didn't look at his phone for two years, but it probably was two years from the fact that I no longer felt like I needed to check or I needed to question or I needed to worry that that was a possibility still. What is your relationship like right now? How would you describe your relationship to the people listening? I'd say it feels like before we were married, we feel like we're in a great communication space now and we can have the same jokes and we can go back to life in that sort of lighthearted way that it was when we first got married. And it feels like things are normal again. And it was a speed bump. And at the moment, at that time, it didn't feel like a speed bump. It felt like a massive mountain to get over. But I look back now and I'm like, oh, it was a pothole in the road. I think it's the having faith in yourself and not worrying about what other people are going to tell you what a relationship should look like and what a relationship should be. It's what you know you have in your relationship. You've been listening to Love Etc, a production from Shameless Media. To support the show, please click follow on Spotify and sign up to Bumble Australia, the social networking app where women make the first move towards friendship, professional and romantic relationships.